Blog Talk Radio. Well, I can't this Sunday. I'm playing golf, and the following Sunday, I promise to take the kids to the beach. Uh-huh. Man's got to spend some time with his kids, you know. Yeah, sure. Besides, uh, we seem to get along just fine without church. You know, it's up to the individual. Like, gee, look at the time. i got to run. But anyhow, we'll trot along to church one of these days. Uh-huh. Well, how about two weeks from Sunday? Oh, I never plan that for a Two weeks, the whole world. Good afternoon. Today is Friday, March 26th, and it is noon Eastern time. Welcome to a dose of Dr. Gwen. The Bullies in Your Backyard, Episode 1, Take 2. Last week we had some technical issues, so we are going to do a redo of last week's show today. Today is the first part of a series of three so far on this very important issue on bullying and how we can stop it in our homes, in our communities, in our schools. Today is going to be an overview show to try to get us all on the same page with the basic issues, and we have some wonderful guests coming on the next couple weeks to bring some enlightenment to some really great topics that will shed some light on how we can not only help our kids with this very challenging issue, but what we can do to move forward in a more positive direction, which is, I think, what we really all want to do. I found a very fantastic quote, which I think sets us in the right direction. British Prime Minister in the 1800s, Benjamin Driscoll, said, courage is fire and bullying is smoke. And that really does speak volumes of what bullying really is. If you get right to the core of what bullies do and the impact of bullying, smoke really does get to the essence of it. And by the end of our three-part series, hopefully you'll all start to see that. Now, if you think back to your own childhood, all of us have been part of bullying. We've either all taunted other kids, um, taunted other teenagers or adults, or been part of taunting ourselves where we've been the victims. It's Some people call it childhood gone awry. Some people call it just intense aspects of childhood. I've heard some people go so far to say bullying doesn't exist. It's just part of normal childhood, and what is this big thing about? Well, bullying really is itself a problem. It's not just part of childhood. It isn't just kid stuff. It isn't just teasing and taunting and kids giving each other a hard time. When we start using the word bullying or when high-tech issues are involved, cyberbullying, it's much, much more than that. And hopefully by the end of today's episode, we'll all kind of have a sense of that. I wanted to do this show and do the next few shows because my own kids have been part of some bullying incidents um, more and with more and more frequency over the last few years. And as I've started talking to parents, I have gotten the sense that everybody else is in the same boat. We've heard some sad stories here in Massachusetts and around the country where kids have taken their own lives because of bullying, which has started offline and gone online. We've heard stories of parents who have gone to their schools out of frustration for help only to find that they haven't gotten the help that they've needed. And I've gotten some letters from people that I will read you. What really triggered me wanting to do this show today, though, is my monthly column that many of you know that I do came out in um, a few weeks ago in March. And the topic of that was helping 
us listen more when kids come to us saying that they were bullied. And I did that in response to the suicide that happened with um, a girl in Massachusetts earlier this year to try to help us learn to listen more to victims. And the title of that article was Victims of Bullying Must, Must Be Heard. In response to that column, I received, this was right before um, Massachusetts was passing the law that got passed just recently that I'll talk about at the end of the show. Massachusetts legislature was just starting to negotiate that. It was just about to pass, but there were, there were some issues about whether it would. And I started um, talking about my own kids' experience. And what I had done right before I wrote the article is I went to each of my kids, two daughters, a 12-year-old and an almost 16-year-old, and in investigating another project I was working on, I asked them each a simple question. I asked them what did they think was the biggest risk or threat to their childhood. And I just tossed it out to them like that. I didn't give them any other qualifiers. I didn't impose my own judgment on it. My older daughter, who's in high school, turned to me and said, you know, Mom, I think it's that we don't have enough time for homework or free time. I think that's the biggest risk to my childhood. I want to be a kid, and I I want to have more time to hang with my friends, and I think teachers kind of forget that we have a life. And what happened to our childhood? I said, and she thought that the biggest risk to childhood was outside influences taking away her childhood. She looked at it as a time management issue. When I asked my younger daughter, who's 12, the same exact question with the same exact words, she turned to me and said, bullies. One word, simple word, bullies. And I looked at her and I said, really? I said, are you sure? Because the last time you had an incident with bullies was in elementary school. That was a couple of years ago. And she said, that's all it takes. Once you're bullied once, It sticks with you forever. And she went on with her day, and then no sooner did she say that than a week later she had an issue with a bully in her middle school that involved um, technology. And what was interesting was I learned, um, as other parents did, that getting the school on board with that and getting everybody to acknowledge whether it was bullying or not was more of an uphill climb than I suspected. And I found that uh, very unsettling. So I wrote this article, and um, I will put, as, as usual, if you all remember, it's been a while since I've done a podcast, I post everything that I talk about in this show on my Delicious page, and I'll do a follow-up to the show later on where I post everything on my Delicious page. It'll be under Show 17, as well as Bullying, so you can um, get very handy access to all the articles that I refer to, including the article now. And in response to this one article, within an hour of it going online and in print, I must have received a half a dozen letters from parents all in the local area telling me that they had similar experiences with their kids. Without giving away the identity of these parents, I do want to just um, read some of these letters to you about um, what some of these parents had um, experience to me. And now some of these folks are actually uh, no longer in this area but live in New England. One mom wrote in and said, 
that she also had an experience with her kids in middle school. Uh, They live in Connecticut now. And she found that, um, this is what she wrote, I had some experience with my girls getting bullied in middle school a few years back. I still say the best way to handle the situation is to speak to the parents in a non-threatening way. And, of course, the school should be aware. Once parents were called out on the child's behavior, the tables turned and the bullying ended. I believe that ultimately it is too much for a child to have handled bullying single-handedly, and parents should get involved pretty quickly before it escalates. But keep this concept in the back of your mind because I have to say that when I was researching expert advice beyond what I would tell people to do for bullying, and we haven't even really defined it yet, one of the biggest themes that came up time and time again was to have parents get involved, whether your child was the bully or the bullier, because that really um, was Um, I'm sorry, was either being bullied or the bully because that really helped curtail this quickly. Another letter um, I received was from a school school social worker who wrote that our society needs to take a stronger stance against bullying. I was at a conference at Harvard recently and one of the presenters summarized a research study that involved over a thousand students in schools from across the United States. It turns out that the interventions we typically fall back on do nothing to stop bullying. And this speaks to the fact that there's a lot of concern that perhaps current school interventions aren't working as well as we hope they would. There's a lot of curriculum talk. There's a lot of lectures. There's a lot of videos. This happens on the teacher level as well as the student level. Do they work? We're going to have some experts on next week that will help us with that. And um, I think that this gets at what's the best way of helping kids with this. I have some thoughts on that that I will share with you a little bit later. And one third letter that I wanted to share with you was from um, a guy who wrote in that the bullying in schools has gotten out of hand with newer technology, but there has always been bullying. It used to be more verbal and physical than cyber. I think one main issue is the child's self-esteem and self-confidence. When I was in junior and high school in the 1970s, there was no cyber stuff, but there was some bullying. Although I was never a victim, I lived and let lived. Um, He goes on to say, I'm not advocating that bullied kids should train so that they get revenge on the tormentors, but self-confidence is something that can be achieved, and this is the only way. His points are right on the mark. This speaks to the fact that bullying is not new. What is new is the technological aspect of it, and the fact that if we help our kids become confident and learn to address the issue up front, that's how we learn to handle it. And the other issue is acknowledging that it's real. And I think that that um, that goes a long way in solving the problem. I came across post after post after post and article after article after article about the fact that we've become a little bit of a police state in terms of getting authorities in quickly and not letting kids be kids. And these are two issues that I'm hoping to get at a little bit today as well as the next couple weeks when we have some of the other experts on. Because sometimes if we force our kids to not be kids in terms of how they respond to an incident, for example, we make the problem worse. I always advise people that it's okay for kids to not like each other. One of the mistakes I see happen in any situation, whether it's bullying or just two kids kind of clashing, is why do they have to kiss, make up, and still be friends? I think they should be accountable. 
I think they should apologize. But sometimes kids are like oil and water, and it's okay for them to coexist like that as long as they're polite and they don't cause further friction together. Just like in the adult world, we have people we don't get along with too well. Kids are going to have other kids they don't get along with too well. I think we make a big mistake when we force kids to be friendly with everybody. And some schools do foster that notion. So I think we have to help kids learn to deal with kids they might not be too fond of in a more healthy way instead of fostering this notion they should be friendly with everybody. So we may have inadvertently created a problem. Now I want to read something that I think is very important that um, speaks to how we define what a bully is and what a um, and the impact of bullying. There's this myth out there that for a child to bully, they have to come from a broken home or they have to come from a home where there's a lot of violence or perhaps um, on the poverty level, and that's just simply not true. Kids who bully come from any home, come from any walk of life. They could come from my home, your home, the poverty line, the upper middle class line, the elite line, the, um, the lower middle class line, the solidly middle class line. Bullies come from every type of home, every walk of life, every color of the rainbow, you name it, um, any type of child you think of can become a bully. It has nothing to do necessarily with the type of home they're from. One um, psychiatrist online writes, what if your child is a bully? A child can be a bully for a variety of reasons. Not all bullies are the products of a violent or neglectful home. If your child continually bullies others, he too experiences psychological harm. And this um, psychiatrist goes on to say the longer they persist, the more difficult they are to expunge. And I think the point of that, that definition is that we have to be realistic that sometimes our kids do things that aren't so nice. And that one mistake I see parents make is that if their child is taunting other kids or is a bully, the worst thing we can do is try to erase it by saying it's not happening. Because sometimes kids bully in response to being bullied themselves. Or sometimes kids bully because they're frustrated about something else going on. We have to take very seriously both sides of the equation. If your child's bullied or bullying, both of those things both of those situations in my mind are kids in pain, and we have to help both of those kids. I don't think we have to necessarily think any worse of the bully than we do the bullier, the kid who's being bullied. I think we have to help both and help both be protected and safe. At least that's my view. I think the kids who bully, something bad has happened to them too that caused them to get to that point. If we can help them and make them feel safe and protected, we can help them stop the bullying. And similarly, we definitely need to protect the victims. So what is this bullying thing all about? And is it as big a problem as we think it is? Well, the first thing we have to remember is bullying itself is a form of aggression, whether it's online or offline. And we, we have to think about it as one world. So it's not that bullying is going to happen online or, or offline. Kids get bullied. And there's usually an online component to an offline situation. So the way you have to think about it is if your child's being bullied or if your child is somebody who does bully in today's society with life being technological and online, often an offline incident is going to get dragged online. So that's what happens with cyberbullying, and I'll get to that um, in one second. Sometimes bullying is just online, but we have to remember that bullying itself is um, really 
bullying. And it can be online, it can be offline, it can be both. But the way to think of it is we live in one world. So um, I see we have some guests in the chat room. Welcome, guests. It's great to have you there. Now, um, bullying, as I said, is an act of aggression, and it is viewed as an imbalance of power where the bullier is um, technically the person in power and tries to belittle the person that they're bullying somehow, and they may do it by taunting, they may do it by making fun of them, they may do it by name-calling, they may do it by threats of violence, they may do it um, by going online and using technology, they may do it by um, pushing them. It may become physical. There's many types of bullying. What we have to remember is that all types of bullying are painful. They can cause emotional pain, social pain, um, physical pain, and that the sooner we intervene, the quicker we can stop the um, violence from escalating. It can involve boys. It can involve girls. And the longer it goes on, the worse it is for everybody. Everybody's self-esteem gets tossed in the gutter and kids can truly become depressed, have physical problems, headaches, stomach aches, um, depression, suicidality. The bullier can up the ante and become more violent and um, actually, you know, go on the attack more. And that's when you have to start thinking about getting in the police and protecting kids. Now, cyberbullying um, is online, and that's when a child or preteen or teen is threatened um, or harassed or otherwise targeted through the use of technology. Now, this gets um, very, um, very, very murky in terms of when you call the authorities because sometimes it can just be a straightforward um, taunting situation. Other times the kids can actually take over somebody's identity and then it becomes identity theft. So often the police do have to get involved when it's a, um, a cyber issue. And I'll get to that in a few minutes because cyberbullying becomes a very challenging issue to sometimes curtail because it involves privacy and identity and sometimes laws are actually broken. So that, that becomes something uh, different and when to call the authorities can be a very murky issue. So what do kids say about bullying? How, how big is the problem? Well, it is bigger than you would think. Kids Health, kidshealth.org, did a big survey of over 1,200 boys and girls from across the country, and over half of them said that they'd been bullied before. Um, half of them said that they hadn't. And of the half that said that they were bullied, 8% um, said that they were bullied every day. 7% uh, said that they were bullied about once a week, but not every day. And 33% said that they were bullied occasionally. That's a lot of kids. Think about that. That's, that's, you know, a third of all kids. So that's a lot of kids. Now, of the kids who, um, then the poll went on to ask, how many, how many of you have bullied? And, well, 58% said, I've never done it, never been a bully. 42 it fessed up and said, yeah, I've done it, I've been a bully. And of those, 22% admitted that they did it once in a while. 5% said that they did it every week, and 15% said that they did it every day. In my mind, that's a lot of kids. So we have a lot of kids being bullied. We have a lot of kids admitting to being bullies. And in my mind, that's way too many kids. It sounds like there's a lot of kids out there really struggling with this issue. So uh, we, we need to figure out how to help them. The, the survey went on to ask them, well, what do you do 
when you are in one of these situations where you're being bullied. Some kids do fight back physically, although they acknowledge that this, they recognize this isn't the best way to do it because they know violence isn't a great way of solving problems. You're going to get in trouble at home with the law as well as with school. Most do talk, try to talk to an adult, about a quarter. About 20% walked away and did nothing, and um, only 8% tried to talk to the bully. Um, in terms of solving problems, um, the 14% um, of the kids surveyed said that being bullied can make them afraid to go to school. So they recognized that this was an issue that needed to be addressed. Um, in terms of seeing someone bullied, 16% said that um, they would do nothing. 20% said that they would join in. Um, but the rest of them said that they would try to stop it, about 41%. And 23% said that they would go and get help. So that was very reassuring. You know, I think um, the big point here is that kids are aware that this is a problem and that they're aware that they should handle it by trying to stop it somehow, trying to turn to an adult, and trying to not make it worse. What we have to do now as adults is try to figure out what is that? What is that to make it better? Well, there have been some ways to make it better, and I'm going to mention a few of those ways today, and then over the next couple weeks, we're going to build from that. One way that some places have made it better in the schools is to get kids involved in a group, and I think that this is a wonderful way to make, um, to empower kids to not only talk about their experiences being bullied, but find ways of helping them get over the issue and find solutions within the school that works for the school. In Dedham, Massachusetts, they started a group called Frontline after they heard a talk um, from a dad whose 13-year-old son committed suicide after being bullied and cyberbullied in Vermont. And these kids decided that they needed to do something more proactive in their school. So they, they got together and they uh, formed a, a bullying group that would help them all address the, these issues. And they, they formed a student-run group. Now, there have been other uh, student-run groups across the country. Some have been uh, kind of like this, sort of a student help group. Others have been more of an advisory group where they've had sort of administrators and teachers and students and parents all talking together to try to figure out how to have a more of a cyber-safe um, community, but I think these groups do work, and we can talk more about that with our experts in the next couple weeks. It's a way of helping kids cope and find more peaceful strategies within the school and promote the concept that you have to say no to bullying and bullying is bad. You know, these, these fall really under sort of an anti-violence program, and if you make everybody accountable to those programs like you would the substance abuse programs, then the schools do have a way of tackling the problem when it occurs. So I think this is a wonderful way uh, Dedham should be um, really um, given serious um, accolades for coming up with this. And I love when I hear about 
you know, kids taking on these issues themselves. That's fantastic. So that's one way of doing it. Um, you can handle this legally. A lot of states, 45 states, in fact, have bullying laws on the record, with Massachusetts recently being added to that list. Only a few states uh, don't, Montana, Hawaii, Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Dakota, and D.C. The problem with these laws, though, is they, they sound great on paper, right? You know, the Massachusetts law sounds wonderful on paper. It would ban bullying. It requires school districts to come up with bullying prevention plans and expand the definition of bullying to include cyberbullying um, through emails and texts. And it requires school officials to inform parents of their curriculum and alert everybody after an incident. You know, it sounds wonderful on paper. The problem is how do you enforce it? And how do you come up with a curriculum that's going to work? I think that's a million-dollar question. And each school is going to have to grapple with that. Certainly in other states, they found these laws hard to enforce and hard to sort of jumpstart. I'm not sure what, what the outcome will be here in Massachusetts. It was approved unanimously um, here in Massachusetts, 148 to zero vote after it was all debated in the House. So we'll see, you know, what happens. Um, I'll keep you informed as Massachusetts sorts this all out. I know everybody has a stake in wanting to um, figure this out. You know, no sooner did this pass here in Massachusetts than there was a cyberbullying incident in Newburyport, Mass., where the police had to get involved because three teens created a Facebook page under the name of one of their peers, which was actually identity theft, and they had to um, get involved because of that. So kids are doing all sorts of things that are actually illegal, and that's something we'll talk about with some of our experts. And I think having these school-run groups where that we can educate kids and parents on the privacy issues so kids don't do these things. You know, some of these things kids are doing out of retaliation or because it's kid stuff gone awry or whatever the reason is, they are illegal and some of them do have repercussions for life. So I think if we can find a way to reach kids in a way that they can be reached, and usually the best way is through their own peers, then we can protect them in a way that works and educate them in a way that's helpful and not viewed as punitive. Because the last thing we want them to do is find a technology that they love to use um, used against them. So I think that um, you know sometimes bullying happens as a result of a lot of kids' stuff that just gets twisted and turned in um, some negative ways. So I just want to end with a couple comments that um, some parents posted on a page from um, WHDH-TV in Boston where they posted a simple question, do you think school officials are doing enough to prevent bullying? And I'll cut to the chase that the overwhelming response was no. There were comments from former teachers that over the years trends were slowly changing for harsher issues. One teacher wrote that, However, there is still an element of the parent community that resists, namely the parents of the bullies. In many cases, the children who bully have parents who are adult bullies. Another one wrote, wrote simply, this must stop. Another parent or another poster writes, schools should definitely train staff and teachers how to deal with the incidents. However, parents need to be held accountable more. Somebody else writes, as a parent of a child who is a victim of bullying, no. Uh, and the comments went on and on for five pages like that. So even if schools are trying to address the problem, I think the concern is that it's not being perceived as being addressed, which is as much a problem as uh, the fact that kids are being bullied. So there may be a disconnect. 
there may be a problem with the fact that kids are being bullied and schools don't know how to address it. So I think if we can air the issues in a way where people know how to address it more effectively and get parents and schools talking more and perhaps have the schools address the issue, including parents and kids in the conversation, so that things move forward more positively and people stop pointing the finger at each other, I'm convinced we can make a dent in this problem. So next week, we're going to continue the conversation with Dr. Joel Haber, who's a um, a psychologist who calls himself the bully coach, and he is uh, wonderful. He's got some excellent um, suggestions on how we can bully-proof our homes, communities, and schools, and um, you will definitely find his tips incredibly practical and useful, and I think he can shed some light on how we can move this conversation forward in a positive direction, in a proactive direction, and also shed light on why what we're doing so far in schools isn't very effective. Um, I'll end with what Mahatma Gandhi once said, we must become the change we want to see. And we, my friends, is us parents. So please join me next week on uh, Thursday, April 1st at 1 p.m. to welcome on Joel Haber, for Bullies in Our Backyards, Episode 2. And um, for all of you celebrating Passover next week, have a wonderful Passover. And everybody, have a wonderful week with some unplugged time for you and yours. And uh, have a um, healthy week as well. So I will see you next week. If anybody has any questions or comments for Dr. Haber, um, I will leave some information on my blog on the next week's show. You can direct message me on Twitter, find me on Facebook. I'm easy to reach, but we want to make sure that the show is for you and that all your questions get answered. So again, have a wonderful week. Uh, This is Dr. Gwen. It's been a pleasure.